So we continue this morning in our Advent series, and uh, you know, I was reflecting and thinking again about these four weeks um, and the four words that we focus on, themes that we focus on during Advent of hope, excuse me, hope, peace, joy, and love. And I think one of the things that, um, that jumped out to me was in every one of these words, we struggle a lot. Um, we're very familiar with them, but they're like these things we chase. We can't quite get, you know, we can't quite gr- grasp it. Sometimes we feel like we're close to it, and then it slips away. And, um, and that's why I think it's so important that we, we spend time with these themes, understanding that they have real meaning and purpose and value for our lives, that they aren't, they aren't um, meant to be, it's not meant to be easy, but it's also not meant to be a futile pursuit, especially when we recognize what they truly are and what they truly aren't. And that's what I want to talk about, because I think in almost every situation, too, part of the problem with these four themes is that we think that they're one thing, when God has actually called them something else. So we're going to talk about joy today. And in, in some senses, like when you look out, Christmas, is for, for a lot of people, it's an easier time to identify joy in people more than you do the rest of the year. People oftentimes, I'm not saying all times, some people never get happy uh, or show, show any kind of joy in them. But, um, but when you go out and you look around, there does seem to be, people do oftentimes seem to act a little kinder, you know, be a little happier. Um, although if you, were at, if you were with me at Sam's yesterday, good night. Um, first off, you shouldn't go there on Saturday. Um, you just really shouldn't. And another really like rookie kind of mistake um, is you shouldn't go there if you only need like two things. Now, these two things kind of specifically I, I wanted to get from there, so I needed to go there. But man, I, I've had, uh, I've done that a couple different times where, and people kind of look at you really funny too, because everybody at Sam's has like a cart that's, that looks like you know, it's the apocalypse, and this is everything that we're going to have to live off of for six months. Um, but, and then I come wa- walking up with my two items, you know, and I stand in line, you know, for like half a year. Um, it was crazy. I didn't know, like, I, I'm thinking self-checkout, that's great, right? But self oh, man, it's not great. Um, so I didn't know about scan, scan to go, scan and go, all right? I've been now schooled on scan and go. In fact, somebody was like, why don't you just do scan and go? I'm like, I did scan and go. I thought it was like self-checkout, you know, and I was like, I did that. I stood in the scan and go line. They're like, you don't understand what scan and go is. (laughs) So apparently that's the whole point. You don't stand in line. You don't interact with anyone. And listen, I am a very people person, but sometimes you need to get in and get out. And I would have rather not stood there for, yeah, it was, anyway, not probably a lot of joy that I could point out in that, at least not in me. Um, but no, this season, uh, joy kind of, you know, we, we see it in some cases a lot more. It seems to be, um, for some, easier to get wrapped around. We, 
we, but we all express joy in different ways. And some of us express it very externally, right? We're very outward with our feelings, and we like to express those in an outward manner. Um, hey, buddy. Um, while other, other people are very internal and very wrapped up, keep things contained. Um, and so maybe you're very, you feel a lot of joy, but you just you keep it you know, wrapped up there. Um, and as I thought about this subject this last week, I was reminded of a video. I saw several videos that I thought kind of encapsulated this. One, one I'm not going to show. It was really funny. But have you seen the gal that's been going around, the one that um, goes and hugs the guy that she thinks is uh, washing her windshield, and then it's not her car? And she's just dying laughing as she's trying to tell the story. And that... and. People who laugh hysterically are contagious, right? Um, at least they are to me. When somebody is just like laughing to that point of crying and that, you start laughing as well. Um, so anyway, we're not showing that one, though. Um, sorry. Yeah, go watch it at home. Um, but no, this I saw, I saw a part of this young man's story uh, you know, from a video like probably about a year ago. And this is a follow-up from this, but I don't, I'll, I'll just let Daniel show it, and then we'll... Finally tonight here, America Strong, the call that came in the middle of the night. The D'Agostino family of suburban Chicago, Mario and Mary, and their six children. Kevin D'Agostino was born with cystic fibrosis, a progressive genetic disease of the lungs. For the past two years, he has depended on oxygen, carrying a tank everywhere he went, even behind him right there at the pool. He was put on a lung transplant list, waiting six long months. Then, the call in the middle of the night. His parents wake him. You get a new lungs? No way! No way! Hugging his mother, then his father. You're getting new lungs! The double lung transplant surgery was a success. And look at this, just one day later, up and walking. This is his third time around. Fantastic. Weeks later, coming home. <laughs> oh, man, how's it feel? <laughs> and then it go. hits him. His mother, Mary, offering these words. It speaks to his determination. And it speaks to his bravery. And it speaks to his strength. The whole neighborhood right there for Kevin, who waited for so long and who came home. What a young man. What a family. And what a remarkable gift from that donor family. Good night. <laughs> yeah, you would have rather watched that one at home, probably. Um, no, you know, it's, um, we're going to talk today about what joy is and what it's not. Being in, uh, being happy or being in a good mood is something that most languages have a lot of words to describe. Um, they have lots of ways of describing that experience of feeling happy or cheerful or joyful and so on. And the same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, as well as in Greek, New Testament, there's a variety of words that are used. And each word has its own unique nuance to it. But they all basically refer to this feeling of joy and happiness. Now, what makes the biblical words about joy interesting 
is noticing the kinds of things that bring about the happiness and also seeing how joy as, as, as a whole is a, is a key theme that runs throughout Scripture. So let's start with sources of joy. In page one of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God creates the world, and he says that it is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things like growing flocks or an abundant harvest. Uh, and, and, and even the poet in, that writes in Psalm 104 says, a bottle of good wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding. They find joy in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the, the, the smell, the joy that, that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings to your heart. However, we know that human history, we're well aware human history is not a joy fest. Biblical story shows us how we live in a world that has been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a very unique perspective on this theme and this word of joy. Because the, the biblical narrative describes joy as an attitude that is adopted. God's people adopt it. They make a choice towards joy, they, to move towards joy, not because of happy circumstances per se, but because of their hope in God's love and their understanding of his purpose for their lives. So when it, the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God brings them a deliverer in Moses, and he leads them to freedom. And the first thing that the Israelites do is they sing for joy. Now, they were delivered out of Egypt and out of slavery, but they still were in the desert. They still were far from the promised land. And yet, they rejoiced anyway. And later, this biblical poet, later biblical poets, I should say, looked back and actually uh, remembered this story in their writings to say, the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. So this whole experiencing joy in the wilderness thing, this was a defining moment for God's people. And it was a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but instead by their future destiny. Not by their struggles, but by an understanding and, and holding to that perspective that in the midst of pain, there's a better future still waiting. So this theme appears, reappears later in Israel's story when Israel suffered under the oppression of, of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked, for the, looked forward to the day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses, that when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads, happiness and joy will overtake them. 
And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why when Jesus was born, it was, as an, it was announced to the world as good news that brings great joy because this had been building. They had waited with anticipation and they chose to wait with joy in their hearts. So when Jesus came upon the scene and God fulfilled his promises, they said, this is good news and fully releases that joy. We're told that Jesus himself also rejoiced and gave, back, gave thanks to God as Father when he began to announce that the kingdom of God has come. He taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness saying, when he told them, listen, when people reject you and persecute you for following me, rejoice. Be very glad because your reward is not here on this earth, but your reward is waiting for you in heaven. So after his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go and to announce the good news that he was the risen king, that he was the promise that was fulfilled. And as they did so, early Christian communities were known for their joy for going out and being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when we read about the Apostle Paul sitting in a dirty prison cell, he could say that he had chosen joy even if his outcome was for him to be executed. He called this the joy of faith or joy in the Lord. He believed it was a gift of God's spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, then it becomes, then joy becomes reasonable, even in the darkest of circumstances. When you recognize and when you hold on and when you realize that Jesus has overcome death, that means anything that happens to me in this life cannot change that reality. He's overcome death, which means then that it makes it reasonable. It makes it palatable for me to have joy even in the midst of pain. It's the difference of me setting my sights as to the problems that are right in front of me or casting my anchor and my line on what is further out and the fact that my future is in Christ and this story already has its completion. We're just walking it out. Now, I, I want to make something really clear. This doesn't mean that we ignore or we suppress our sorrow. It's not healthy, nor is it necessary for us to do that. Paul often expressed, in very real ways, he expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or even his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. Um, I remember, and, and this, I mean, obviously for me personally, uh, this really hit, but I, I watched... Uh, 
like a little TED Talk video this last year after dad died talking about um, grieving and loss from a woman who, um, whose husband had died, and then she remarried. And she, uh, in this video, the thing that was really compelling to me was the way in which she would correct people's perspective about the idea of um, getting over loss. And she's like, the goal is not to get over loss. It's to learn to live with that. When somebody has had an impact in our lives, like my dad and that, the goal is not for me to forget my dad and to get over him, all right? That loss is real. If you've experienced loss recently in this last year, that is real. We're not called to suppress that. It's not healthy for us. In fact, I would tell you it will delay healing in your life if you don't come face to face with the things that are causing you pain that you've held on to. Remember last week we talked about peace being not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of God, about bringing what's broken into wholeness. If we suppress what is real, what is creating pain, and what's caused brokenness in our lives, we won't find our path to healing. And so I, I, I loved how this woman said, I, I, don't, I, I haven't gotten over the loss of my husband just because I remarried. No, that loss is still there. I've learned to walk with it, to live with that alongside of it. it you know, I, I think that's different than, um, I mean, it, uh, you know, I, I think we can allow our pain to crush us. I think we can allow our pain to uh, be the identifier of us. But when we give our pain to the Lord and we're honest with him about it and that God can turn that and he can turn our sorrow into joy because he gives us a greater perspective than just on our present circumstances. He does something in our hearts. He changes things. You know, and this is a very different type of advice coming from Paul the idea of being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. This is different than the kind of trite advice that sometimes we offer to one another when we're down, you know, when we try to put the silver lining on every cloud that's hanging over us. Or we say, well, just turn that frown upside down, and then you want to kick that person. Um, Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. It's a decision that we make. Like next week, we'll talk about love and how love is a decision. We've treated a lot of these things like they're just these emotional things that we stumble into in the way of peace and hope and, and joy. And so they become very elusive because sometimes, again, our feelings betray us. Our feelings are there one moment and they're gone the next moment because our circumstances change. But when we look at this as attitude to adopt, choices that we make, to be filled with joy or to rejoice in the midst of suffering. Like, like what Thomas talked about several weeks ago. It's a choice that we make. We don't deny the pain. We don't deny the loss. But we have a choice as to what we're going to do with it. So oftentimes in the church, though, we don't do a very good job at acknowledging the realities of the world, the suffering going on around us 
the senseless violence like we witnessed here just, you know, a little over a week ago. We talk about hope and peace and joy and love, but we also need to talk about hard things that are happening in the world. Tragedy, crisis going on, things that defy our understanding. It's important that we address those things because they're real. Too often that we don't, and we gloss over them. We like to focus on brighter, happier stories. And then we wonder why why we worry about whether people will feel welcome in church or not. We, we wonder oftentimes, or I, I should say it like this, I, I get concerned, and I've seen it. There are a lot of people I've met and talked to that they wonder, their concern, the thing that holds them back from coming and visiting is they wonder whether or not they would be welcome. And they wonder whether they'd be welcome because if, this isn't a place where they can be real about where they're at and with their hurt and their pain and their suffering. And, and, and instead, I'm just supposed to be joyful. Then how can I truly express my story? How can I be accepted for who I am and where I am right now? Is this a place where I can really, truly be me? How can they talk about um, how can they talk about when they are mourning? How can they talk about when they're depressed? How can people express that if they're not dim, if we don't demonstrate that this is a safe ground for them to do that? Now, as a church, we have a responsibility to both be real about what's happening, but also give perspective to our greater future. Christ never told us not to tell the truth about life. He never told us, uh, you know, to be happy or carefree or bright all the time. But he did tell us to bind up the brokenhearted, to tell the truth, and to stay near to those who suffer. One of the things when I pray for people um, at the hospital and that, um, it just, it, there's just an awareness that I've had where I recognize that every tear that we shed here on this earth we have a God that cares and is personal enough that, that those tears, not a single one of them, goes unnoticed by him. That's how much he loves us. God loves us that much. But the church, you know, so the church has an obligation to acknowledge the true brokenness in the world. But it also has got to step forward to proclaim that there's hope. That things do not have to be the way, they don't have to be uh, always in that state of brokenness, we are called to bring peace and to bring hope and to bring joy in the way in which we live our lives and follow Christ. There is another way. And in an Advent, we point to that. We point to that fact. We point to that hope for the future. We point to the fact that Christ is coming again. He will return. His promise the same promise that he made true on in leaving his throne and coming to earth, he will keep his promise to return for us one day. So our main text this morning reminds us of this, and it comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says this, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Scripture doesn't promise us easy lives or lives without pain, but it does promise us that those things don't have to be the last word in our lives. And the best way that we can illustrate that, or that I can think to illustrate that this morning, we, we talked about this last year during the same um, season, but uh, is the color of our Advent candle this morning. The color of our Advent candle is pink. It's different than the other ones. Traditionally, Historically in churches, Advent uh, was represented by the color purple, which represented royalty, and it also, um, it also kind of uh, encompassed this idea of, of repentance, turning away and turning towards something else. And so churches, when they did Advent, it was, it was kind of a very serious four weeks. It was kind of a very penitent type of practice, somber. But the story goes that in the midst of dark winters and more reflective advents of years past, that churches thought about how people needed a little glimpse of what was coming. And so they made the third candle pink, which was supposed to be kind of mixing the purple with then on Christmas Eve, uh, will light a white Christ candle. Kind of the idea of mixing those two colors together and creating the pink. And they called this Sunday um, Garate Sunday, uh, which means rejoice. And so like the pink candle, because the, just, just like the pink candle, as the white mixes with the purple and transforms it to a different color, us waiting during this season. We're waiting for Christ's light to break into our world, into our hearts, into our attitudes, transform and to change. To change that sorrow into joy and to keep it from a place of feeling so elusive. We stand here in the real world. We live in the real world. We're aware that there is pain and that there is suffering. But at the junction of where pain and hope meet, we look towards something better, something greater to come. We long for joy, and that's why we sing songs that cry out like, O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, God, and be with us. That isn't just something that we sing in to reflect upon and celebrate what once was, but also what needs to happen for us today and what we hope for for tomorrow. When we sing that, we're asking again, God, let your presence come and hover over me to fill my life, to fill my heart. Let your Holy Spirit dwell within me. Change my heart, change my attitude, change my perspective. Give me eyes to see what is true. We testify that that. The joy that comes with Christ, it sticks. So oftentimes in these, in these themes, 
We talk about things that we feel temporarily, but then they are gone, almost before we even notice them. The joy that comes from Christ sticks with us. It's there in the best of times, and it's there when times get hard. You can be a joyful person and still cry alongside of the world. Because being joyful means that you know it isn't supposed to be this way. You recognize that. And so you can cry and you can empathize when you see brokenness, but you can also believe that it can be better. So on Christmas Eve, we often read these words from the Gospel of John chapter 1 that says, The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, Christ is the light of the world, and there is nothing, no circumstance, nothing that can happen or has happened that will extinguish that light. Nothing can extinguish and snuff that out. No matter how dark it may seem at times in our circumstances or when we look out around us, we need to remember that. We've got to hold on to that. That light can neither be, cannot be extinguished. And that means that when we truly embrace joy, neither can that be extinguished as well. And so our job as followers of Christ is to spread that light, to spread that joy, because joy is different than a feeling. Joy is a way of living. It's an attitude we do- adopt. It's a perspective that we have. I've said to many people, Um, already reflecting at the close of this year. I know that after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, you're going to see tons of people get on social media, and they're going to reflect on their year, and they're going to say things like, forget 2019, bring on a new decade. Like, this last year was crap, and I just can't wait to get to something else. The problem is, is how how many years are we going to say that, you know? This, in some ways, for myself personally and for my family, has been one of the hardest years we've ever faced. Some of the greatest challenges that we've ever come up against. And it really, a lot of it has to do with how many of them were stacked on top of one another in a single year. If I wanted to, I could join that collective that would have that perspective and say, 2019? out, you know, and like bring in the next year. But that is not, that's actually not how I feel. I, 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 I end this year with joy that I know has been a chosen attitude. I, it doesn't, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not frosting over the loss that's been there. I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, uh, live outside of reality. But the truth is, is that some of the most painful things has brought some of the best things out of this year for us. And, and I'm staring at all of them, you know, a big part of that. I mean, it's just the truth. I'm, I close this year with excitement for the future what God has, you know? Do I know what that looks like? No. Is there going to be more pain 
Is there going to be more challenges? I think I can count on that. I think you can too, because Jesus told us. He said, in this life, there will be trouble. But then he didn't, he finished that statement by saying, but take heart, because I have overcome this world. I have overcome this world. Nothing, nothing will change that fact and that truth. The, the whole thing is, will I choose to believe it? Or will I join the collective that just says, maybe this year, maybe 2020 will be a better one. But really, there's no chance of it being better unless we choose to really take seriously these themes of Advent and looking at what hope and peace and joy and love truly mean for our lives and how we can be transformed by them. It really comes back to the fact that we're celebrating things that are not feelings, are found in feelings, but they're found in a person. That person has not let us down, nor will he ever. So as we close today, I like this prayer by St. Francis of Assisi that I, I, I just think it's very appropriate during this season of Advent. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, it's in the pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in the dying that we are born to eternal life. So as we watch and wait this Advent season, as we witness, as we stand as witnesses to the light of Christ, We stand as witnesses to the joy that it brings, and we demonstrate that we, it isn't just in reflecting upon what he brought, it's about realizing now that as we receive that and receive him into ourselves, now we carry that wherever we go. Hope and peace and joy and love. That's for us to spread around. I love, uh, I got to meet and, talk with a guy that I've observed uh, many times just because I like food um, and I'd go eat bagels um, but Ozark Mountain Bagel is a great place um, if you haven't been there and Bill Ford and his wife Sheila are the owners of that and um, you know I, uh, um, I, I I wanted to meet this couple many times I had said to Natalie I think these guys are followers of Christ I don't know anything about them. Nobody's told me that. But I could just see by the way in which he ran his business, treated his customers, just what the smile on his face just seemed genuine to me. So, uh, uh, so I'd met his wife on an earlier occasion, so I, I got a chance to talk with him, and I wanted to tell him that. 
because I thought, if he is a believer, I can't think of a better, higher compliment you could pay, at least for me. And so we, we got into this conversation. Now, granted, uh, I think they're going to donate some tables <laughs> to us as a church in our new place. But what's so cool about that is that I just went up to find out they have tables in their place that I thought would work well as multi-use tables and chairs and that. I asked them where they bought them because I thought I'd get the website and take, take a look. And they said, well, what do you want them for? I said, well, we're a church plant. We planted, you know, at the beginning of the year. And they said, well, dude, we, bought, we way overbought on the tables that we needed for the space that we have. We've got boxes of these things. So please let me know. We'd like to help you. His attitude, and one of the things he told me that he tells his employees that they are to be about, is slinging joy, uh, slinging grace, sorry. We want to be people who sling grace wherever we go and into the li- whatever lives we can touch which I thought, that's so awesome, because I think their, their slogan is spreading joy, love, and, and cream cheese, right? Yeah, it's great. It's very, very good. But, you know, I, when, I, when he said that to me, because he was talking about that scripture we've talked about and talk about frequently in here, about how God has lavished, lavished his love upon us, right? And so he's like, I want to sling that. And I thought, that's perfect imagery for canvas, you know, and that makes me just want to go grab some paint and just start throwing it, right? So, but that's all about how we are called to live out our lives. And I just, I just love it. Um, so as we close today in prayer, I'm going to read our scripture again out of the book of Philippians. I'm going to light our pink candle And just, I'm going to read this just once this morning and then close in prayer, but I do want you to close your eyes. Just find a still place. Listen to the words of this scripture and really let this sink in this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God, we have much to rejoice We have much to rejoice for, even if that means that today we presently are in pain, find ourselves in a place where we are mourning loss, that we can choose an attitude to rejoice, not because we ignore what is happening in our lives, but God, because you truly have overcome the world And that whatever page of life we are on right now, even if we kind of are stuck in this chapter, there's another one coming. That our story is not over. And God, the grander story and narrative that we are a part of, that story has an ending. 
We've already been told that ending. So God, now we just need your strength on a daily basis. We need your spirit, your presence in our lives to help us walk that ending out. To give us the perspective that we do have a future beyond this world. That means that any circumstance that we face, God, even death itself, you have conquered. What do we have to fear? God, I pray that we would be people. Just like Bill Ford said, God, help us to go out from this place and to let things like joy and peace and hope and love just be in abundance to pour out of our lives. God, we can't sling that around unless you first we pause to allow you to pour that into us first. So God, help us to understand, get wrapped around what these themes truly mean, be transformed by it, have our attitudes changed, and then God, let us just lavish it and throw it and sling it to everyone, everywhere, everything we touch and every place we walk. God, we love you today. We rejoice in the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.